Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right. Thank you, Coop. I am Chris Cuomo and welcome to primetime. 14 days until Election Day and divided we stand. The two presidential campaigns are complete opposite realities. Trump has us wondering if he's OK and wondering where Biden is. Now is the last chance for these guys. Many of you actually solidify your feelings about whom to vote for in the two weeks before an election. Here we are. Trump is likely going to win or lose based on what you think of the pandemic and the response. He knows that. So the question is, why does he think he can hide from COVID? He says, we're rounding the corner. For that to be true, it is only true if we're rounding a corner and right after it is a huge cliff. And all the time that he had to build a bridge, the bricks of which would be testing and helping states with tracing, the mortar of it would have been the economic pain that he can't get a deal on. Where's the money? Where's the relief? Why won't he send more to people on his own like he did before? Instead of addressing those, at least letting you know that he's aware, he wants you to be aware of the real danger. Tony Fauci. The only thing I say is uh, he's a little bit sometimes not a team player. Are you talking about Fauci or you? Forget that many of you trust Fauci about COVID way more than Trump. Who cares about Tony Fauci? All due respect. We seem to be collectively standing by as a pandemic is having its way with us. People are in food lines all over this country, red and blue. The virus is the truth. It doesn't play BS games. It does what it does. Too many of us can't get back to normal. Too many of our kids are in bad school situations, stressing the kids, stressing our families. Does Trump speak to that? A single idea to get things more open? No, he just says we need to get back to normal. Captain Obvious could not have said it better. The question for him is how? What has he got on that? His refusing to deal with the pandemic doesn't make it go away. His desire to make this election about something other than what we're all being suffocated by is not impressive and not normal. It's abnormal. This is only normal for him. In his mind, pandemic's not the problem. Media is. The Kristen Welker is terrible. I mean, she is uh, totally partisan. There are people out there that could be neutral. Kristen right. Welker cannot be neutral at all. He doesn't want neutral. Why do you think he's always on state TV? He wants this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're not going to get that from Kristen Welker or from any of us. She's the debate moderator, by the way. Um, for the second debate. She's also NBC's White House correspondent. The real deal, okay? Now, why is he doing this? Is this the COVID talking? Maybe the first lady isn't the only one who hasn't recovered. I was having hallucinations at night from fever from where the president's point is now, and they made a lot more sense than his approach to this pandemic. Now, this seems like a perfect moment for Biden to be on TV as much as he can, should be here tonight. Talk about the pain of the pandemic. Talk about what he would do. Say what's not being done. Say what the fix is. How does that happen? His people say he's hunkered down doing debate prep. Okay. But listen, let's be honest about the debate. Them putting in the mic muting rule for two minutes for each guy, that's going to do most of the work for him. At least he's going to be able to make a case. For a campaign that's trying not to repeat the mistakes of Clinton 2016, it's sure quiet right now, maybe to a fault. And look, I get it. Trump is doing the work for him. How many of you decided to vote for Biden today when you heard the president of the greatest democracy ever take to TV to insist that the attorney general should prosecute his campaign opponent over baseless claims that the attorney general himself has decided are baseless? 
Will you be appointing a We've special prosecutor? We've got to get the attorney general to act. He's got to act. And he's got to act fast. He's got to appoint somebody. This is major corruption, and this has to be known about before the election. You remember all the heat that came down when Bill Clinton met privately with Obama's AG Loretta Lynch on that tarmac in Phoenix in 2016? And rightly so. Looked terrible. Biden should be all over what this president is trying to do with the AG. Make the case about what it means for where we are headed if he's in in leadership. But I have no sound of that for you. But I do have sound of Trump from four years ago when that Clinton meeting happened. And boy, did he see what it was then, even though it's just as damning as what he's doing now. I think it's so terrible. I think it's so horrible. You know, I've been talking about the rigged system, how it's rigged. Even in terms of judgment, how bad a judgment is it for him or for her to do this? I mean, who would who would do this? You would. Now draining the swamp seems to mean yelling at the biggest alligator to go after his opponent. And by the way, he's picking the right gator. Because remember, A.G. Bill Barr knows how to play the part. You remember this jewel of an exchange with Senator Harris? Uh, Attorney General Barr, has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. uh, Yes or no? Could you you repeat that question? I will repeat it. Has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Yes or no, please, sir. Um, The president or anybody else. Seems you'd remember something like that and be able to tell us. Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to grapple with the word suggest. I mean, there have been discussions of, of matters out there that uh, they have not asked me to open an investigation. But Perhaps they've suggested? I don't know. I wouldn't say suggest. Hinted? I, I don't know. Inferred? You don't know. Okay. Listen, I'm a lawyer, too. When you play with words, it's because you need to. And it's usually a defensive strategy. Wonder if Barr would say that now. Suggest? Hmm. Come on, man. Trump should be banging on McConnell and Pelosi's doors, not on Barr's. Get something done for the people who are desperate. And that goes for Biden, too, to be honest. Why isn't he speaking out about Speaker Pelosi's role in this? Pushing to get something done. Look, If the Democrats are right and the GOP are playing games in the committee process and stifling this from getting any deal, call it out. Show it to us. Show us you know how to push the players and the process. Instead, two weeks out, we're in crisis, but Congress is playing quid pro quo, and those who want to lead us seem to be more of the status quo. So our question as we begin tonight is, who is making the better play for your vote two weeks out? Van Jones, Rick Santorum, join me now. Thank you both. Um, first, Rick, I don't, you know, we've discussed this several times. I don't get the president's play, man. I still think throwing money at people in need and putting his arms around the pandemic and say, I'm going to get us through this. Here's what I'm going to do. Seems like the smarter play than attacking me and Tony Fauci. Well, he's certainly throwing money at this. I mean, the president has upped the ante, I think, now for the third time. I think he's even at the number that Nancy Pelosi has, has suggested, which, by the way, isn't where the Republicans in the United States Senate are. But but he's throwing money at this. He's He wants to make a deal. And Nancy Pelosi is pretty clear uh, she wants her deal and, and not anybody else's. Uh, even at that, uh, even if the president were to strike a deal with Nancy Pelosi in the House, which it seems like he's doing everything he can to get to get that deal. I, I seriously doubt that it passes the United States Senate. I just don't think the votes are there on the Republican side to do another two and a half trillion dollar deal right now. Well, Van, look, here's what my reporting says. That's not true. He's not trying to kill himself to get it done. He's not doing the dealing himself. He's having other people do it. And if he doesn't have the votes in the Senate, that confirms that he's not doing everything he can, because if he can't tro- control McConnell and his boys over this, Um, then he can't control them over anything. The question is, are the Democrats misplaying this as well? Because they do get some of the stink of, well, get something done, Van. Well, I think that's true. But I mean, it's not just that the numbers um, are getting closer together. The substance of what Pelosi is trying to do, uh, you know, versus what Mnuchin is talking about, is is just night and day in terms of the amount of relief those dollars would translate to for ordinary people. Pelosi is really trying to drive a lot more relief to ordinary people. 
of the reality that you have is, I mean, just in case people have forgotten, here's what it looks like when a president is doing all he can. He calls the leaders into the White House. He basically locks the door and says, we're not leaving until we get a deal, period. And it's not, I've got Mnuchin over there, you know, literally overseas talking to her at four o'clock in the morning while I'm doing 17 rallies and sometimes talking about this issue on Fox. This is not a president who is focused on the, the main pain of the American people. People have two sources of pain, the virus and the economy. Trump is dealing with neither. Instead, he's trying to sick the attorney general on his opponent. That is insane. It's terrible. It's wrong. And there's no way to, to polish that turd and make it into something more than it is. Well, Rick, look, I see the long blink um, when he was talking about the AG. It, it does look terrible, especially after the AG came out. Uh, well, he didn't really come out, but word got out that, yeah, we looked at that. We're not going to do anything with it right now. But just as a tactic, you're two weeks out, Rick. This is the time. We know a lot of voters actually solidify preference right now, and we know they can vote every day if they want in a lot of the states. Do you think he's saying the right things to the American people right now? Well, first off, Nancy Pelosi is, is not trying to get more aid to the American people. She's trying to get more aid to Democratic governors. That's where the sticking point is, is, is money to the states that are- It is one country, Rick. It's one country. That, that, but, well, yeah, but, but it's, it's going to big state governors. That's where that, that's where, well, that's where a lot of the pain is, Rick. Well, a lot of the pain uh, is in yeah. those same places. It, it, and some would say self-imposed pain. But, but the, the, to answer your question more directly. You mean they got look, COVID I, on their own? They brought it upon themselves? I didn't say that. I said that. Well, the you just said some would economic, say self-imposed. What do you mean? Self-imposed economic pain of keeping this, keeping their states shut down. Well, what chance, what choice did they have? What was the better option offered by the federal government, Rick? Well, if you look at look at states like Florida and Texas and Arizona and others who who went through this and are now in, in numbers lower than Illinois, lower than Wisconsin, lower than than other other states that that are you know seeing uh, seeing another rise who have been shut down this entire time. So look, I I don't think there's a there's a clear path. That's not an accurate viruses. assessment. What you just said, by the way, it Rick. is. It Texas is. had I mean, big trouble. The state, they had to the force a shutdown because they waited. Hold on a second. They had to force a shutdown because they waited too long. They had a lot more pain and waves that they didn't see coming that they didn't prepare for because that governor was playing with Trump. And in Florida, come on, Rick. Florida has been a national embarrassment, and you know that, it. They announced National embarrassment with New York and New Jersey, not Florida and Texas. New York and New Jersey are travel hubs. They're at the top of the list of international travel hubs, Rick. You know why they got sick. Why would you play this kind of politics with people's pain? I'm not playing politics. You know the reality, Rick. You want to have a factual discussion? Let's have a factual discussion. Yeah, let's. The governor of Florida said, "Uh, hey, you said it was going to be bad down here. Where is it? Moving his neck like that, like a bad caricature of Italian people. And then what does he do? He says spring break. He exports the virus all over the place. He plays with the numbers. They keep playing with the numbers. He doesn't want people to report him. Now he's got cases spiking all over the place. Well, I mean, that, look at, look at the well, rate down off, in Florida. Florida's cases are not spiking all the over last the two I mean, weeks in Florida. Look at the rate of cases. Why they're, would you defend not, bad they're leadership? Any, they're not. They're not anywhere near what they are in, in Wisconsin, which is a much half the half the less than half the size of the state of Florida. They're worse in Illinois, which is smaller than the state of Florida. But why I mean, would you cherry they, pick it when they're up between ten and fifty percent? We just showed it on the map. Why would you call again, that success? They, they 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 went way down. Now they're going back up. Yeah, of course like they are because he doesn't do. And he can think consistent with leadership, Rick. And if you don't do that in a pandemic, the virus will spread. But hold on a second. Primarily, as you know, they're primarily younger people going back to school. And that's why these they are are not primarily not down there. They've got all the snowbirds. And that was another thing. The governor didn't want to count people who are snowbirds as Florida residents because that's really genuine. That's an authentic thing to do. It's not like that state has an entirely, you know, uh, big population that comes in and out. But they don't count all of a sudden. But wait, I have something for Van as well. Um, Biden. Biden is hiding. I know he says he's getting ready for the debate, but Van, this is the time to speak, brother. He should be everywhere making the having the conversation I'm having with Rick, with the American people. And it, it probably wouldn't go as well, depending on where he is. But, you know, we're, we're professionals. It's fine. Um, but he's not. And I get that he's getting ready for the debate. But it's more than that, Van. Look, I, I would love to see him more. Um, I'd love to see Kamala more. I'd love to see, you know, but the reality is, uh, you know, Trump is doing 27 rallies an hour. He's all over the place. He's saying so much crazy stuff. 
it, it's almost impossible to participate in a news cycle with the guy. I think what you're seeing with Biden and Kamala and that campaign is a disciplined strategy to get to 270. They're trying to win this thing and they want to be able to win this thing and be able to govern. I agree with you. I would love to listen. But the thing is, Trump is doing so much dumb stuff. You could spend your whole day just whack-a-moling on all the dumb stuff he's doing as the candidate. And I think it's better and smart for him. He's on Zoom calls all day. He's talking to be shoring up his support in places. He is a big fractious coalition. He's got to hold this thing together. And he's 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 instead of broadcasting and fighting with Trump, he's narrow casting to his campaign. I'm not his, saying his he should fight with Trump. I'm saying he should be here right now until you instead of you two handsome mugs. And he should be talking to me about this stuff. Kamala Harris should be doing it. They should be taking every opportunity. It's just my take. Van, I appreciate yours. And Rick, I always appreciate yours. I do. We don't have to agree. I love you, brother, and I want you to be heard, and I'm happy for you to be heard here. People got to disagree with decency, my brothers and sisters. This other way is getting us nowhere. Gentlemen, have a good night. I mean it. I say it to you all the time. Look, we can get after it on this show. I don't agree with a lot of his analysis. Doesn't mean I think he's my enemy. I know he's not my enemy. We got to get back to that. This divided we stand thing, man, it's not who we are. We're not going to make it this way. I'm telling you, this country has to come together. Our strength has to be a function of our sweetness. We don't do well with harshness. We're not bullies here. This doesn't work. We've got to get to a better place. How? Great question. Now, here's what I know. Not much, but I know what doesn't work. A threatening message landing in the inbox of voters in at least two states. Vote for Trump or else. I don't like the way it smells. It can't be as obvious as it looks. I'll take you through what it looked like to people. But now we've been working it. We have Donny O'Sullivan digging into what's happening. It's real. It's widespread. It's having an impact. But we have to get to the bottom of it. And we're going to take a step in that direction next. Voter intimidation. I told you we've been watching the polls. We're going to watch the process. And this is something you need to know. Okay, this is happening as we speak. We've seen it in Alaska. Now we're seeing it in different parts of Florida. All right. It doesn't involve guys with guns at the polls. Thank God. It's happening in voters inboxes, but it can be scary. All right. Voters are getting emails like this one claims to come from the Proud Boys. Now, when I saw that immediately, I had to be like, well, they can't be doing this. They know they'd get in legal trouble immediately. But the impact is the same. The Proud Boys are a hate group, right? And they're a symbol as well. The president told them to stand back and stand by. Now this, the subject line threatens vote for Trump or else. The email says they have the person's personal information and threaten to come after them unless they vote for Trump. Now, this is what voter intimidation looks like, okay? And it is definitely illegal, which is why I didn't buy uh, the email there being so obvious. Let's bring in Doni O'Sullivan on the investigation into these emails. Doni, one of the classic mistakes is, ah, come on. I mean, they already voted. I mean, how could these people be worried about that? It's scary when you're not used to this kind of behavior. So what do we know about who is doing it? Do they really believe it's the Proud Boys? Yeah, Chris. I mean, so when you see an email there, that email you showed, when it shows up on your computer screen, you just see the message. But there is details, metadata, it's called, sort of under the hood of an email. So we have obtained some of these emails that were sent to voters in Florida over the past few days. And working with John Scott Ralton, he's a, a, a cyber expert at the Citizen Lab at the University of Toronto. We've been looking into how these emails were sent. Mm-hmm. And here's what we know. We know that one of the emails that we looked at was actually routed through computers in Saudi Arabia. Earlier, Vice News looked at the same message sent to a different voter. When they looked at this metadata, they saw it was routed through Estonia. Now, does that mean that these emails came from somebody in Estonia and Saudi Arabia? No. What it does mean is that whoever is behind sending these messages are taking pretty sophisticated steps. This isn't a totally amateur operation here pretty sophisticated steps to hide who they are and also to make sure that they can get around Gmails uh, and other services, spam filters, to make sure that these messages are getting into voters' inboxes and are threatening them. Chris? So what does that tell us about whether or not this is somebody uh, from the outside who is doing what we see inimical actors do all the time or that this is a friendly to the Trump side or a friendly to the Biden side? Who is this seen as helping? And what's the answer to the other question? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the answer right now is we do not know. We have to be very clear that we do not know who is behind sending these emails, whether they are an actor here in the U.S. or somebody uh, somebody outside of the U.S. The Proud Boys, the hate group that Trump embraced, uh, deny that they sent these messages. Obviously, as you mentioned, the effect here is the same. The, the voter is still intimidated. And Chris, you might remember earlier in the summer, you and I spoke about uh, when, when there was a, a protest happening across the U.S., there was a fake Antifa account that was set up on Twitter that ended up being amplified by Donald Trump Jr. as sort of an example as to why we should all fear Antifa. Yep. It later turned out that that account was actually run by white supremacists. So it's very possible that in this case, this might not be from the Proud Boys at all, but could be from somebody either in the U.S. or outside of the U.S. trying to gin up trouble, trying to uh, sort of uh, push that unrest. Donny, appreciate it. Thank you very much. I wish we had some news you can use in terms of how to stop it, uh, but it's hard. They're finding ways away around spam filters. So if you see it, relax, call the authorities, tell them what it is. They may have an answer for you about what's happening in your area. But it is happening, and I want you to know. Information is power. Trump in Pennsylvania tonight, hoping to shore up support in that battleground state. He says to his supporters he's winning three to four points in Pennsylvania. Is he right? Let's check in with the Wizard of Odds. Is he right about that? Uh, his notion of how he's doing in Pennsylvania, that if the election was today, I'd win in North Carolina. I'm up in Ohio. You know, obviously I'm up in Florida. Uh, I, you can look at my facial expressions. We can look at the average of polls there in those states. And the fact is, is he's losing in all of them, right? Hmm. He's losing in Pennsylvania. He's losing in Florida. He's losing in Wisconsin. Uh, he's losing, you know, just across the board in the six closest states that he won in 2016. Now, obviously, in North Carolina, the, those races are much closer, right? They're within the margin of error. But uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, he has clear leads. Uh, Biden has clear leads right now. All right. Uh, there have been 50 polls in Pennsylvania uh, that we uh, appreciate here at CNN as legitimate. How many have had Trump leading? Yeah, this is exactly right. I went back and looked at the nonpartisan polls, you know, in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, in Michigan. And if you add those states to the Clinton states that she won four years ago, that gets Joe Biden over 270 electoral votes. Trump ahead in any of them. Zero, zero pollsters in the state of Pennsylvania have found Joe Biden ahead. In Michigan, it's just two. In Wisconsin, it's just one. And those are polls that I don't necessarily trust all that much, to be perfectly honest with you. If you look at just the pure number of polls that have been taken in these places, nonpartisan polls, I just don't really understand. And if the Trump campaign really wants to say, oh, in fact, we're out there, then they can publish their, their partisan polls. We'd at least get a look at them. Otherwise, it's just like a lot of the things that Trump says. There's just no proof for it anywhere. Zero have found Trump ahead, as we just showed uh, on the slide there. OK, thank you for that point. Now. Uh, two other things. One, white working class voters. What do we know about how Trump is doing with them in battleground states? And what kind of notion do you have as to why there's slippage? Yeah. So if we could jump ahead to the slide, look at Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, basically take an average of them. Right. And what we saw back in 2016 was Trump won amongst those voters in those states by 21 points. Now that's dropped down to 11 percentage points. So he's still ahead. But the fact is, when you're only winning those states by a point or less, you need to be able to hold on to your base. Now, here's what I think the key sort of factor is. It's really white women, white non-college women who have been slipping away. And that is part of a larger discussion in which Donald Trump has really just lost any of the ground that he held with white women. You know, if you look at white women overall, he's trailing there. He won that group in 2016. And we're seeing that leak into the non-college white women as well. Mm. I skipped over the even if Biden doesn't win Florida, he could still win because I reject the premise. I think if you lose Florida, it means something about what's happening in the macro electorate. So cobbling together the states uh, is not just math for me because the methodology matters. If Biden loses Florida, we have a very long night uh, that night and probably for two or three days afterwards. So we'll deal with that when we get closer. But, Harry, thank you very much uh, for making the picture a little bit more clear. Here we are 14 days out. Thanks, Wiz. My pleasure, my friend. All right. So our next guest worked alongside Donald Trump before there was even a Trump Tower. OK, her name is Barbara Rez. And she is sharing story after story about what she says was a man full of racism. 
that there's no question for her that the uglier assessments of his character and what he's about are accurate in her experience. 18 years of life in Trump world. She's going to make the case. She's going to deal with the shots against her and her case. Next. Donald Trump didn't want people to know that African-Americans helped build Trump Tower. He didn't want them hanging out in the lobby because people were going to come in there looking to buy million dollar condos. Those are just a couple of the scathing allegations from Barbara Ress. And she would know she worked for Trump for nearly two decades, including as an executive vice president for the Trump Organization. Her new book out today is called Tower of Lies. Barbara, welcome to primetime. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Should have written it sooner. Should have written it 40 years ago. What are you doing it now for? Yeah, well, better late than never, right? I think it's very important that, you know, any information, any anything anyone can do uh, should be done right now to see if we can stop this man from getting reelected. And this is what I can do. I can share my information and my stories. Uh, Trump says time and again, I'm not a bigot. I love black people. Uh, you know, I, do, I, I see everybody the same. You don't buy it. No, I mean, you know, the, the funny thing is that there are so few people that he sees the same. He discriminates for different reasons against most of us. But um, but with the black people, um, that that was very, very bad, very telling of him to um, to call us over um, myself and the project manager. He saw a black man working on, on the deck of the, you know, the concrete deck. And he said, get him off there. I, I don't want people thinking blacks are building Trump Tower. I, you know, that was shocking to me, actually. Is it true that the president or then citizen Trump uh, had a desire to only have Jewish people do the accounting and count his numbers and that even when he had an African-American man who was distinguishing himself in the casino businesses uh, as a bean counter, as a money guy, he said, no, 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 I want Jews counting my money. Is that true? You know, it, it sounds like it might be true. It, it sounds very true, but I, that was from someone else's book. But okay. I, do, I do think that it sounds like him. Hmm. Now, you say, hey, it doesn't matter that I worked for him a long time ago. It's the same. I don't think that's the problem. The problem, the hurdle for you is if he was so bad, why'd you work for him for so long? Yeah, you know, people ask me that all the time. And I, yeah. <laughs> First of all, he wasn't as bad then as he is now. I mean, the seeds were there, and that's what my book is about. It's sort of like transitioning you from back in, in the 1980s to, back, you know, today. And um, he was... He did do things that were racist. He did many things that were sexist. But you got to look at it from my point of view. I was a woman engineer working in the construction development business. There weren't a lot of places for me to go. And the people weren't really very different back then. I, you know, I was unhappy with uh, the, the incident with the young architectural student um, in, the, in the lobby. I was very unhappy with that. And that You're talking about pause. when you brought someone in for a job and they were black and he said, no, 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 I don't want them coming and I don't even want him in the lobby when I got people in here buying expensive places. Yeah, actually, he saw the, the man in the lobby and, and told me, don't ever do that again. I don't want I don't want black kids, call him a kid, was probably 20, sitting in the uh, in the lobby where people are coming in to build multimillion dollar uh, apartments. But, you know, I thought to myself then and, and more so now, actually, as I go over this, uh, what would I have done if I wanted to hire the young man? See, I, he wasn't my first choice. He just, you know, he was there were others that I, I wanted to use uh, preferred over him. And I'm back and forth. on it. I'm not I'm not so sure, but I, I think I might have hired him. I think I probably would have taken Donald on, on that one. Mm. And I know you say in the book. Uh, because, look, uh, another obvious challenge uh, to the theory is if he's such a sexist, you know, how come it didn't affect you? You say you were the exception, not the rule. But I think the big thing for people to glean from the book is that his supporters love him and see him in a way that's not really about love. It's really the wrong word. Identity. He gets who they are. He understands right. it in a way that these other politicians don't. You say that that's his greatest con. How so? 
Oh well, you know he, he's you know ever since way back when, when in the in the seventy eight when I started working on the Hyatt, yeah he'd go around with the contractors and he'd glad hand them and he'd put his arm on their back. How you doing? What do you think of my building? Isn't this great? Blah blah blah. He 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 had no respect for them whatsoever. He just you know didn't um, he he knew how to play it and he knew that that would make him popular and that's what he thought he needed to do. But I'll tell you a story that's in the book, which which is a, a good story really. When when you finish a project, you have a big celebration. It's called the Topping Out uh, Party. It's actually when you finish the structure. And um, everyone gets it's usually for the crew. Excuse me? Oh, well, that's the point. That's my story. Oh. Uh, so well, when we told Donald we, we had to plan this, he was, oh, great. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's going to be great, 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 great. And at some point in time, we mentioned, yeah, the men, you know, it's going to be hard to pull together with the men, you know, because we had so many. And Trump said, what are you talking about? I don't want them there. <laughs> It was like, but this Donald, this is for the, the men. It was all men at the time and still is. Um, not for the politicians and, and the owners and stuff, you know. And uh, it took us a long time to get him to actually, you know, well, can't we just have the foreman? Do we have to have the men? You know, I'm, I'm going to have champagne here and caviar. I mean, I, this is not for construction workers. And it was very, very telling to me because it just, it was not even a thought to him. He had absolutely no regard for these people that were building this building for him. No regard at all. Barbara Ress, uh, interesting book, especially now. People want to know uh, what's going on. The Tower of Lies is the book. If you want to know, read. Barbara Rez, thank you for talking to me about it tonight. Best of health to you and the family. Thank you, Chris. Good night. All right. Now, the word deplorable. When Hillary Clinton used it in that election, boy, did it zero in on the sense of humiliation and being looked down on and this division between the us and them, the elites and the workers. When Hillary Clinton did that, it was a big deal, and it hurt a lot of people. Now they wear it as a badge of honor. I want you to ride in a dune buggy with Trump's high-earning supporters. It sheds light on why they vote the way they vote. This is not about those scraping to get by. Why are they voting for him? What does it mean? What does he mean? Next. Trump boat parades. I've seen them. Car caravans all over where I live. Dune buggy rallies. What's behind their support? CNN's Ellie Reeve took a ride with a group to find out. I like alpha males. I think President Trump is an alpha male. Whenever I watch the news, it seems like they're bagging on Trump. They make it sound like nobody's going to vote for him. But we feel like we all need to get together just to show people that, hey, there are people that are going to vote for him. This is the Dunes and Deplorables uh, Let Freedom Ride Trump rally protest. It was unfurling a 30 foot by 50 foot American flag, having everybody gather around, play the national anthem, and just be able to be with a bunch of friends and family. Unofficial Trump events like this have been happening all over the country. Boat parades, car caravans, bike parades. What attendees have in common is disposable income to spend on fun. While Trump's working class supporters have gotten lots of attention, in 2016, a third of his voters made more than $100,000 a year. In fact, support for Trump is particularly strong among white voters who have high incomes for their area, the locally rich. The people on the left that really think we're deplorable think we're deplorable. If hanging out with families, bringing your kids out and having a good time is deplorable, then I guess we'll take it. I went for a ride in the dunes with Eric Nelson, who's been riding motorcycles since he was 14. Ah! Eric drove two hours to come to the rally. Hopefully you heard her scream. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what the mic's for. The reason we're here supporting Trump is because we believe that Trump will help us be able to keep the money that we make and let us be able to work as hard as we want and not give our money away. People like Nancy Pelosi can, you know, get her fundings through this given money to people that aren't willing to work for it. I've worked for it all my life. I had to work to put myself through college so I can get a job and do what I enjoy, which is an activity like this. And spend, you know, $15,000, $20,000 on toys because I choose to. He really is for your hardworking people. Do I think he's racist? No, I, I think he's racist against lazy people. The rally was mostly men. That's no surprise given national polls. 
Men are much more likely to support Trump than women. And what these men said they liked about Trump was that he's a guy who's just like them. He's not a politician. He's one of us. Yeah, he's one of us on steroids because he runs a great big business and uh, makes a lot more money than we do. He can be crass, but we didn't hire him as a president. We hired him because he was a business person, and that's what America needed because our country was starting to tank. But in part of his job being like a moral leader? I don't believe so. You don't think so? No. He says things that upsets people and we just don't care. And we think he's helping all those people because they don't fully understand what's going on. You know, it's very interesting. Ellie Reeve joins us now. Thank you for taking the time to do the piece and bringing it to us. Uh, this took place in Oregon, blue state, uh, but it's such a great window into feel versus fact. They feel Trump is one of them, even though he doesn't check any of the boxes that the guy who was talking to you checked in his own life. You think that there is a uh, swell of support, even in a blue state like Oregon, that the polls are not catching? Well, the people who are at the rally sure think so, but there's no evidence of that. And Oregon is just like many states in the rest of the country, where a lot of more liberal people are packed in the cities and out in the country, people are a lot more conservative. The idea of what he can do for you versus who he is and what he's about. What do you think about that split? Oh, well, I think it's a combination of both. I think they see part of their identity as being businessman, as being successful, as being the product of hard work and the power of their own determination. And they think Donald Trump will protect that. They don't like everything they say that he says, but they say that he's real. Mm. It's amazing, you know, as, especially for business owners. If they didn't have the money behind them that Trump had, they'd be out of business. You know, his bankruptcies were all rolled by his pop. Otherwise, he would have never been able to stay in business. It's so funny that they reward in him what they would never respect in somebody who actually does what they do. Ellie Reeve, I love how you get inside these situations and you bring such an authentic uh, nature of it so that the audience can absorb it for what it really is. Thank you very much. Take care. Oh, thank you. All right. The thin blue line, you know what that is, and now even thinner and a family smaller because of coronavirus. The numbers are on the rise. You have to remind yourself constantly of what it can mean for your family. The Roberts family wants you to know what that's like up close. If a message can be made more powerful because of the messenger, then this is gonna be really powerful for you. COVID killed police officer Charles Rob Roberts. His town that you see in there, Glen Ridge, New Jersey, they showed up saluting him from the street as the hero that he is. Now, his widow and children uh, are dealing with their pain, but they want to put purpose to it. And they're here tonight, Alice Roberts, along with her kids, Shay, Natalie, and Gavin. Uh, thank you all so much for doing this. I know this isn't easy. Uh, and I have to tell you, I look at you guys and I think there but for the grace because I see my own family. You got 16, 13 and 11. Yeah, um, I got the same thing within a year in my okay. own family. And I am so sorry to meet you under these situations, but I hope you know that your father was so respected for what he did, your father and your husband and that he means everything that's good about policing and caring about your community. And I hope you carry that with you because I know that's how your community feels around you. Now, now, thank you. Thank you for doing this, Allison. Why is it important for you to come and tell people about how just sideswiped you guys got by this? Um, I think when you hear numbers, um, it doesn't really seem real to a lot of people. Some people don't know anyone who's died of COVID. And they see the statistics, and that just doesn't even sink in. And if you're getting your news just from one source, then you think that things are exaggerated or, or whatever. And uh, I just want people to know that there isn't an exaggeration, and uh, we're a real family, and we're really grieving, um, and it really happened to us. And I mean, I'm showing a picture of your husband, your father right now, strong, in shape vital. Everybody thinks it's the old and people with comorbidity. You know, they had something else that was really bad. Those are the only people who get taken. Not your husband. 
Right. Um, I mean, we even had the conversation with him before he was sick. We were saying, well, what if he gets it? We all kind of went through it. We were like, so what if he gets it? He'll be fine. Like, that's not going to be a problem. I remember having that conversation with the kids and him. Um, And it's important to me to be here, I just wanted to say, because I know so many people haven't had a time to grieve for their lost ones and they their voices haven't been heard so i think having our voices be heard is super important to represent the hundreds of thousands who have died did they give you any good reason for what happened i mean one minute he was dealing with symptoms he didn't even know what it was then he collapsed he went in they say that they got the covid but it had already affected his body in a way that he couldn't recover how'd you make sense of that um, yeah, so he started off at the community hospital, and then within two days, we got him transferred um, to the city uh, to a, a world-renowned brain specialist. And we knew that, I mean, we, we knew the first real issue was the brain healing, and there had been a lot of um, hope during the approximately three weeks uh, that he was there. There were really positive brain um, uh, waves, but then that, that hope started to decrease as the days went on. Um, but he didn't even know he had uh, COVID. We all just sort of acted as though he probably had it. He took precautions. He was super careful. He was staying in the third floor to not affect the rest of us, but he did not have a positive test. His first test was um, mislabeled. Mm. How you doing? Um, I, I guess I'm just moving forward. You got the kids, you got family. Yeah, we're still busy with school, of course, and they're playing sports. um, So they're, you know, I'm busy driving a lot, um, going to a lot of places, driving them to sports, really. That's about it. How's your Um, heart? Sorry? How's your heart? My heart? It's, I guess, broken. I don't really stop to think about myself very much. A mother is always about the others. Um, right. And I, I, I know we can all respect and appreciate that. Little man, you were given a gift, I'm told, Gavin, when uh, your, the guys at the, on the force wanted to give you your father's police locker uh, after going to collect his things. What do you want people to know about your pop? Oh, that he was a, like, a great man and that he was very kind and caring. Um, yeah. There's nothing better for a dad to be than kind. And boy, was he lucky to have the three of you. Um, now, I know that also, Alice, you're coming out because this election matters to you now. What is it? Not that it didn't matter before, but why do you want to take the time and come out uh, with all you're dealing with to say to people, you got to vote? Why? Um, so I, I've taken a little time off. I felt that I had to. I haven't been off since I was 21. And I felt that we need more now more than ever um, a leader of our country who will lead by example and by love and um, respect. And that's not what we're seeing right now. Um, right before pandemic happened, we went to um, Hyde Park and we visited Franklin Roosevelt's house. And uh, he's a good reminder of, of how a person can lead through pretty hard times. Um, so it's, it's really important to me um, to really fight the good fight and to get people out there to vote. And uh, when the president became sick and then his actions after his sickness, um, I think those showed his true colors. And uh, I think his true colors um, aren't, very, aren't very pure or good. And that's not who I want leading our country. And uh, that's not who I want my children emulating. Well, I think it's, uh, you, you deserve an audience. And um, I am very um, privileged to have you on this show. And that doesn't just go for your mom. Um, Shay, Natalie, Gavin, uh, I know this is hard. And I just hope you understand how many people want to put their arms around you. And I hope uh, with time you just remember your father for all the beautiful things he was in your life. And how he died will become less a part of the memory and how he lived will become more and more. I promise you that. I've been through it myself, not at your age. Um, But losing a parent is always the same. And you'll always have a friend here. If you need anything, 
Once we're allowed to have guests again, if you ever want to come, if there's anything we can do, we're just a call away. And Alice, God bless. The offer goes for you as well. Thank you for Thank speaking you for to that. others, even uh, in a time of pain, putting purpose to it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you for watching. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. There Man. but for the grace, brother. I mean, you know my family, family very well. There but for the grace. He's Superman, Rob Roberts. Um, cop, strong, loving, community loved him, force loved him. He had no business dying from COVID. Yeah, no one, right? But that family is amazing. No one has no business of dying from COVID, and especially the numbers, a number of people who have died. It didn't have to be this way. We say it all the time. My heart goes out to that family. That mom is amazing. She said, I haven't had, how's your heart? I haven't had much time to think about myself. That's She's a got mom. Kids. That's a mom. You know, you got to give it to the mothers. And there are so many people who are like that. And those are the stories that need to be told right now. And those are the people that this president should be thinking about. And he should be talking about every day and working as hard as he can every single day to try to make it right for them, to try to get the proper testing, to tell them the truth, to tell them where we are in this, to try to make, as he says, America great again. Well, America needs to be made great again. And I'm talking about great again about this coronavirus that he is pretending is just going to go away. He needs to see that family. I hope he saw that story because there are thousands, there, thousands upon thousands of families who are dealing with that right now, 200, more than 200,000 families. Yeah, you know, I mean, I wasn't going to use him as a prop. I'm not going to talk politics about them. Alice wanted to talk about why it matters, you know, even as a family, you know, who it's the truth, though, Chris. were on the job. It is the truth, because I got to tell you, I know a lot of people see them uh, and they see them the way I do, which is, holy cow, they have 17, 13 and 11, two mm -hmm. girls and a guy. I got 17, 14 and 10. 10 going on 35. Uh, yeah, but go two on. girls and a guy. <laughs> and when people say to me who support the president, you know, you seem to get so angry about stuff. You know, you should just be that family is why I get angry. There you go. I don't get angry just about the policy. This isn't tax or not tax. Who gets how much percentage? Not about who gets reelected, which is what's on his mind. This is about helping the American people. And, and this is about who people gets reelected. Pain. Is that next. family will never be the same. Hey, who knows? Yeah. Those kids might wind up getting to a better place because of the strength they'll find in one another and through their mother and the other people who love them, I'm sure. Yeah. But it shouldn't have to be that way for one more family than absolutely necessary. And for a president on his watch to ignore a crisis is unforgivable to me, especially when the words alone would matter. Mm -hmm. The words mm -hmm. alone would matter. Not only does it not make sense to me here as political strategy, I don't get not putting your arms around this pandemic and say, I'll do better. The states aren't getting it done. I don't get it here, Don. Yeah. Well, listen, words are important. Actions are more important. And, listen, you know, equally as important. But I think taking some action, um, not pretending that it's not real, uh, getting everything that is needed, the testing and, and on and on, not misleading people about when a vaccine might come, not misleading people about um, hydrochloroquine, uh, hydroxychloroquine, or what, you know, just tell them to just wear just the mask. Tell them to truth, uh, the truth and wear the mask. Just tell but them I gotta, to wear the mask. Listen, I've got to run, but I got to tell you the story that you did before that about the rich folks, it kind of dismantles that whole thing about economic anxiety was the reason that Trump was got elected. Those people have no economic anxiety. They're rich. Well, they have economic anxiety. They, they don't want to give away any of the more money to taxes. And what does that say? That's like that used to be the traditional Republican, which was you just didn't want to get taxed anymore. I don't want to get taxed room. anymore. I don't want to get taxed anymore. Listen, you do what you want, but I want to be able to buy a $20,000 dune buggy, but I don't want to help people who are who may be in need. I don't want to. I want to be able to buy a whatever, which is fine, but just own up to it and stop pretending that that the reason is economic anxiety. If you have enough disposable income to play dune buggies in the desert and listen, I, we all ha I like to have fun. You like to have fun. You like to go boating and fishing. That's, but just be honest about what your intentions and what you think and stop pretending that it is something else and stop ignoring the elephant in the room. It's not really economic anxiety. It's actually, I think it is selfishness because, listen, I do well. I don't mind paying more taxes. 
for people who are not doing well to help other people out. This is America. I will be okay. How much do I need? I can cut back. I can pay more. Listen, trust me, I don't like it. I don't like paying a lot of it, but I do it because what? When you said it's here, it's also here because I realize that it was when, when preparation and luck meet. There's a certain degree of luck to where I am, to where you are, to where everybody gets. And so everybody can't have that. Some people don't have bootstraps. So as Americans, as people, especially if you believe in the Christian values that you espouse, you're supposed to do unto others and help others. So I do that as much as I can. I don't like it, but I don't mind it in a way because I am blessed and fortunate enough to be in this position to make this amount of money where I am. I have the privilege, I have the privilege to be able to do that. No one likes to pay a lot of taxes, but we do it because we can and not everybody can. So maybe you buy one less dune buggy, maybe you buy one less fancy car, maybe you buy one less boat, maybe you buy one less yacht, maybe you buy one less apartment, one less mansion, but how much money do you really need? That's all I got to say. As much as you want. I'm of the more pie well, I, variety. I'm saying you, that. If, I'm say, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that people can't be capitalists. You can't right. have as much as you want. But let's just be, let's be real about it. When right, someone, not everybody back in Trump is because they're broke. I, not everybody's back in Trump because they're broken. Even the, peop, the, even the, 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 the rich people, they want to get richer. Yeah. Okay, fine. But then realize that you have a privilege that other people don't have. So help, help some folks out. Yeah. And if you don't want to pay more in taxes, increase the involvement of all the different assets we have in this society called go. our diversity, and there'll be more pie. There you go. If everybody's involved, then they don't need the help. There you go. Through a system that keeps them unequal. There you go. All right. Preach, brother. More pie. That's my motto. <laughs> I like the apple pie and the pecan because I'm from, uh, oh, as we say, pecan down south. Got to run. Very nice. Love I love you, you D-Lemon. Love you. This is we all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.